0: Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you realizing that in and of ourselves we have nothing good to say, but realizing that you are good at using clay vessels. Mm -hmm. So Lord, we ask that you would empty us of every speck of pride and self, and that You would give us the words to say. Lord, You know there's way more that we want to say than we have time to say. So guide our lips, guide our thoughts, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. How many of you have ever dreamed of finding hidden treasure? Okay, that's actually quite a few of you. You know, when I was a kid, it was like a passion of mine. Where did we get our it. clicker? Yeah. yeah. I used to read every book I could get a hold of on, on buried treasure, you know, lost mines in the, in the Southwest, and pirate treasure that was buried on Oak Island, and these Spanish ships that were coming laden with gold from South America, and they, they um, went down in storms, and that was going to be my life work, to find the hidden treasure. Um, this is a picture of a treasure that was found in, in California just six years ago. A couple was out walking their dog, and they stumbled across this old rusty can. Actually, there was eight cans.
1: In their backyard.
0: In their backyard, $10 million worth of gold coins. From the 1800s, buried in the 1800s, or how, how many of you have heard of Forest Fen and the um, Rocky—what do they call it—the Rocky Mountain Treasure? How do we get this? We
2: had a short video. Emeralds and antiquities has finally been found. And online, a community of treasure hunters is going wild. The unfindable has been found. Forrest Finn is an 89-year-old art collector who stashed the treasure more than 10 years ago in an effort to get people off their couches and into the great outdoors. Now telling me over the phone, a man from back east has finally deciphered the secret clues he left in a poem. From there, it's no place for the meek. The end is ever drawing nigh. But so far, Forrest has been mum on the man's identity, saying he learned the search was over when the man emailed him a picture of the treasure and in a post describing the secret location under a canopy of stars in the lush forested vegetation of the Rocky Mountains. The discovery coming after years of hundreds of thousands of people trying to find the chest that for me started as a local reporter nearly a decade ago in Santa Fe as one of the first to cover the modern-day treasure hunt. Since then, thousands have shared their own quests, like Ray and Chloe Harp, who say it's brought them closer as a family.
1: It's brought us together out in nature, out in sunshine. I mean, I think that was what Forrest wanted, and it gave us... A perspective of of the world that our children will never forget.
2: Today, hearing the news is bittersweet.
1: It feels like the last page of our favorite book.
2: (laughs) But the story hasn't been without significant danger. There have been countless rescues, and at least five people have died while searching in treacherous terrain. Authorities long urging Finn to call off the search. Despite Finn's insistence, the treasure was hidden in a spot that a 70-year-old man would be able to reach. But today, that exact location, still a mystery. Finn saying the treasure hunter wishes to remain anonymous, and now it's his secret to keep. I can just almost
0: feel the eagerness of the kids in the audience. Oh man, I want to find a treasure. We're going to tell you this morning how you can find your own hidden treasure.
1: And and we do have to tell you that... The treasure was found and the
0: identity was disclosed and we just learned that last night. <laughs> so, about the identity of the person. But yeah. we have
1: a much better treasure to tell you about today. So somewhere deep in uh, the mountains something Sorry. Is, I guess we're 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 causing the problem. Sorry.
0: Uncoordinated here. Yes.
1: So the hidden treasure that we are looking for, the, the spirit of prophecy tells us we are still on the wrong one.
0: Well, I want to read it. You're all familiar with this, but let's just read in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. This is, this is the basis for the theme of our conference here. Matthew 13:44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which, when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field.
1: That's right. So, in Christ's object lessons, we're told <coughs> in the parable, the field containing the treasure represents the Holy Scriptures, and the gospel is the treasure. So, one thing that we just want to bring, um, really bring home is that doctrine and reading the Bible isn't enough. The real hidden treasure is the gospel, and the real gospel is Jesus Christ. So, we're going to look at John 5, verse 39. If you have your Bibles, please turn quickly there. John 5, verse 39 and 40. And Jesus here is cautioning us about this. The scriptures are just not enough. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that ye might have life. So the scriptures are just the channel, the path, to Christ right it's that it's that um, that personal relationship that is the real hidden treasure the gospel apart from my personal relationship with Christ is is not as it's, it's good news but it hasn't come to me personally until I know Jesus Christ as my personal savior
0: you know Forrest Fenn with that treasure of the Rockies He was on to something. He was getting people out in nature, getting families together, focused on a common goal. But it wasn't far enough. We've got a treasure much greater. So this morning we're going to look at five T's to finding your hidden treasure. Five T's to finding your hidden treasure. All right, the first T is toil. You know, we don't know for sure, but um, in this parable, this farmer who's plowing this field, I like to think he was plowing a little deeper than anyone had done any time recently. You know, the owner of the fields. I don't know if he farmed it at one time, but for whatever reason, he leased it out. And this farmer is plowing the field, and plowing with an oxen is hard work. I've never done it, but I just believe it is. And he's going deeper than anybody has previously. It takes work, it takes toil. Those who desire to find the treasures of truth must dig for them as the miner digs for the treasure hidden in the earth. And for us, the beginning of our search, our toil for hidden treasure was, it began back when we started having children of our own. You know, I think that's a very... um, that's a time when the Lord can really get through to people like very few other times in their life. It's, it's a huge responsibility. All of a sudden you realize, wow, you know, I am... I mean, of course, it's all God, but, but we had this part in bringing this new creature into the world, and what are we going to do with it? You know, we were, we were both college graduates, but nobody ever taught us we never took a class on how to raise children and so it really started us searching and we were working at an academy where we were seeing results that weren't very positive
1: it's true and I, I would just say on the having children you know I think the thing that really strikes me is that when you have children all of a sudden now you there's no kind of love that kind of is compared to that experience. And those parents, you know what I'm talking about. And now it's like, wow, this life with this little one is not going to be enough. I want to have eternity with them. So you really start to have this eternal perspective. So we were, we were missionaries, teaching missionaries' children at Maxwell Academy in Kenya. And we're not going to take very much time to, to tell too many details because we just don't have that much time. But we'll just try to give you enough. To, to help you to understand. John was the the, the the chaplain, the Bible teacher. He was in charge of all the religious activities. I was teaching the elementary school. And we saw brokenness all around us. It was, I think it was our first, I mean, we both came from pretty good families. We both were, um, I mean, we loved the Lord. It wasn't like we didn't already love the Lord, but we were just kind of faced with the, uh, the hurt of young people and recognized that that hurt had a path right back to the family of origin. And we were broken over that and there were so few young people. So the ones that we did see that we thought, wow, this is the kind of fruit, you know, we're never to judge, but if you don't be a good fruit inspector, you know, you want to look for the fruit that you want. And so we started asking, but the biggest thing we started doing was we started digging in the spirit of prophecy and the Bible. We had had devotions in the past, but I'm talking about a plowing deeper that we hadn't experienced prior to this. We were hungry and we were thirsty. We were kind of questioning everything that had seemed normal in our upbringing, and we were just saying, "Lord, something isn't working. It, if it's not working for them, it's probably not going to work for us. And so, what is it going to take?" Something so we started different. Something, something different, something better.
0: So the second T is taste. Now, obviously, when you're you're going for hidden treasure, we're not talking about physical taste. You don't eat it, right? But spiritually, you need a hungering and thirsting. And then when you actually taste of that treasure, it's, it gives you a desire for more, right? Mm-hmm. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So our tasting experience happened in the spring of 1994 at Kibidula Farms in, in Tanzania. I know many of, or at least some of you are very familiar with Kibadula Farm. We, we This was the end of our six-year term in Kenya. We were going home to, back to the States in just a few months, and we were just burnt out. You know, we had two little kids. We had been working. Anybody that does academy work knows it's 24-7. And, um, yeah, we were just like ready to um, try something different. And so we went to Kibidula. My brother and his family were living there at the time. And I'll tell you, I don't. I think it's changed a lot, but at that time, Kibidula was pretty primitive. There was no electricity. The house they lived in, there was no running water. Um, Kibidula is quite a high altitude, so it was... It was cold, you had to have a fire in the wood stove, so you had to chop the wood and bring it in, and you know, we've got two kids in diapers, washing out diapers by hand. Um, it, was, it was not an easy life, but yet there was something about it that just struck a chord in my heart, it's like, wow. I just feel like a man here, you know, I got to do manly things, Um, you know, hauling the water from the creek. And, and so I was just, I just said, honey, this is the life.
1: And I said, no, this is not the life. (laughs) It was, it was so hard. I mean, two little ones in diapers just scooting on the ground and we had to... I mean, you're, you're sorting your rice, you're, you're washing your clothes by hand. I, I was not so convinced, but I, there were things I liked about that vacation.
0: So, anyway, but, but the other part of it was not just the simplicity of the life. That was very attractive. And I know you were attracted to many parts of it, yes. just maybe not the diapers by hand. <laughs> Um, But the other thing that was so neat, in the evening, you know, what do you do in the evening when there's no electricity? Well, we would light the little lanterns in their cute little cottage, and we would sit down in the living room and listen to cassette tapes. Do any of you remember cassette tapes? Yeah. And we listened to the testimony of a family that had... Tasted something better. Tasted something better, yeah. They had kind of jumped off the rat cage, you know, the wheel that so many of us are on and said, you know what? We're tired of this. We're going to go in search of God and in search of a united family.
1: The real call was that Christians would recognize the need to slow down enough to actually get acquainted with the lord and that resonated with us i mean we were living the hectic life we were serving 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 and i mean to be quite honest our family life our marriage took a very hard hit in those 6 years and so we were just like soaking this up we it was so empowering different.
0: you know it was like a light bulb went on like you mean mm-hmm. i don't have to just do what everybody mm-hmm. else does I can just jump off this wheel and actually live like I feel convicted to live. It was just this incredible, almost weight off our shoulders.
1: And you know, you can be so excited about it. We were so excited to share with the teachers at our school, but they they didn't share our, our joy over it. Anyway... We don't have to We had to tell tasted.
0: That. The point is we had tasted and we wanted more.
1: And the tasting, one thing I think it's important to recognize the tasting can just come through one interaction with one person. You know, we don't have to. You don't have to, you know, have a huge meal. It's like the appetizer. We had eaten the appetizer and we were hungry. So, point 3 is that of total commitment. So it's not enough to toil. It's not enough to just taste. The taste has to be followed by a total commitment. So let me ask you, how many of you saw the eclipse of 2017? Can I see your hands? How many of you saw? Very good. Now, hold your hands up. I want to ask you another question. How many of you were in the path of totality? If you weren't, I want you to put your hands down. Wow. Like, put your hands higher. I hardly see anybody. So there are very few, but a few. All right. So our farm was going to in quite close to the path. Um, and I'm going to tell you that our whole family... Would have missed the event if it were not for my husband and my son-in-law Nick. They were in tune, and they forewarned us. And I'm so. I, and I'm going to tell you one of our family members, and I'll just tell you who. Did I tell him who? <laughs> I, I have to tell you who, kind of, because I can't. T- so our our for those of you who know our family, we have five children. Um, Our daughter, Kirsten, followed by four boys. Our oldest son runs Farmer's Friend. And his business is still currently on the corner of our farm. Well, our farm was at 97% totality. Were some of you at 97%? 97%. So Jonathan was like, ah, that's good enough for me. And John and Nick said no. And so my husband actually made plans for us to go two and a half hours away to, to be in the path of totality. I mean, I would have missed it if it hadn't been for him. And I'll tell you something. We had in our home at that time a tool designer from Switzerland who was visiting our son and, and his tool business. And that man tasted of our excitement about this. And he told our son, I want to go. And so, I mean, then Jonathan was like, well, I mean, if he's going, I guess I better take him. So, because we were going for a couple of days. Um, so anyway, he came along. He tasted and he brought along Jonathan. So our, our whole family experienced this along with this Swiss tool designer and I have a little video I want to show you. I, I just can't... Those of you who did not experience totality, you missed it. It is... I mean, I'm just going to be honest. You um, know, Jonathan said... He, he Two and a half hours? Like, we're going to drive two and a half hours? For, 3 for 3%, 3% percent? I can remember him saying that. But when it happened... And this little video clip we're going to show you does not begin... To capture it but when it was done he was saying where's the next one where is the next one we i can tell you the next one is april 8 2024 and if the lord hasn't come the Dysinger family plan to be there in the path of totality
0: arkansas
1: it is something like we have never experienced in our lives so maybe we can have the lights dimmed so you can see it a little bit better Let's see, honey. You got to click it. Oh, see, I'm moving it here. But
0: okay, so this, this is has just volume, a so... short, uh, very quick clip to show the excitement we experience. Oh, the
1: You get a little bit of the picture of the excitement. It was the most amazing thing, thing I've ever experienced as far as nature. You know, the everything, it went dark. the The crickets started chirping. We could see the stars. It was...
0: Yeah, well, un- you just have to experience it. If you haven't been there... I'm sure those of you who did experience it, your heart is beating like... I mean, it just brings... It, it's indescribable. It's that amazing. It really is.
1: So I want to tell you just a a, a little... Oops. oops, we're going to watch it again. No. <laughs> okay, I just want to tell you... Explain a little bit about what what really happens. So I'm not even going to go... Very much into it, but I want you to notice that there are our, our just, computers playing it. Going, OK, There are two shadows that are cast on the, on the Earth when a total eclipse happens. And you can see the very small one that's quite pointed is called the umbra. And then the one that is wide is called the penumbra. So people who chase eclipses are called umbraphiles. Get that. Umbra files. But I want you to see this picture. Oops. you oh. got to click it.
0: <laughs> I want you to see this. I picture. want you
1: to see this picture. So the dots in the middle where you see that, that gray, dark strip, that is what is called the path of totality. That is the only place that there is that 100% eclipse the path of its totality. But look as you go to the, t- to the north and to the south. If you could see it, the next one is uh, 90% and then 80% coming south and north, 70, 60. So you're still seeing the eclipse. But the only place that you can see a total eclipse is in that very narrow path of totality. And we just want to encourage you that there is only one way, only one thing.
0: Narrow There way. is a
1: narrow way where you are going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And there is a wide swath that gets part of it. Maybe that's, some that's blessings. Christianity,
0: that wide path, the penumbra.
1: But it's just that narrow and I want to tell you, for us, where that moment was. When we were willing to sell all. And it happened at Kibidula. John and I had gone out under the night sky. Our children were long in bed. And we were talking. And this was
0: after listening to these. Had, after tasting.
1: After tasting. And he just said to me, honey... Whatever it takes. Are you willing to go with me wherever this takes us? You know, we wanted one thing, and it's going to sound selfish. We wanted to be saved in the kingdom. We wanted that relationship with the Lord that we knew we hadn't experienced in its totality. We were close, but we had not experienced that total. And 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 our kids. And we wanted our children. So that was what was on our heart. Our salvation and the salvation of our children. We said, Lord, we will do anything to see our children in the kingdom. Anything in our power. And I think that what the Lord has shown us is if we're willing to do that, it's never that he's going to just take us. He's going to take many others with us. So that was our moment. That was our...
0: Our path of, path of totality.
1: Our commitment total
0: commitment. And we've never regretted it. Never. I can promise you that.
1: We've had some hard times, but praise we praise the Lord
0: for those. So the fourth T is trusting in trial. You know, we could share with you all kinds of trials. Recent trials from
1: this season.
0: Yeah, this last this year, 2020 was, as I said, well, quoting Charles Dickens, "the best of times and the worst of times." Um, we we had more trials on our farm than I, I think. Well, I know we've never had before, as far as just weather-related kinds of things. I don't know how well you can see this picture, but. You know, and we don't have time to go into it, but we had a windstone that came through, derecho, I think they call it, that was unbelievable. And it just wiped out two of our hoop houses. You can see the remnants of one up there. Took the plastic off some more. Turned Joshua's chicken trailer, literally turned the chicken's world upside down. And that was just ten minutes it was like, boom, and it was like, whoa, what happened? So we're grappling with that, and we, you know, we buy more plastic because the plastic blew off our, our tomato house, and this is early spring. Um, and then two weeks later to the day, after we had put new plastic on that greenhouse, another storm came through and ripped the new plastic right off. And as if that wasn't enough, and here I won't mention any names because I don't want to incriminate anybody. There's no
1: one to incriminate,
0: really. Somebody was using a motorboat up in our pond, our irrigation pond. We had our irrigation set up. This was the first year we were going to be able to be really ready for irrigation like we wanted to be. And in the process of, of... wakeboarding on our little pond, um, the waves from the motorboat knocked over our overflow, which was, you know, we figure at least 50 years old. It was rusted out, but it it fell over from the bottom. And so the kids come down from the pond. Oh, yeah, the, the overflow broke. I'm saying the overflow broke. You know what that means? Our pond is going to drain. And we're just getting into summer. And how are we going to irrigate? And so there was a moment of panic. But anyway, I can't go into that more. The point is, I'm just trying to share with you that the trials don't stop. But it's like, I was thinking, likening it to continuing education. (laughs) You know, the Lord's just reminding us, hey, remember, you got to trust me 100%. But to really tell you about the trials that cut so deep and taught us so deeply, we have to go back more to the beginning of our farming. Yeah. The
1: trials that happened years ago made it easy, and I'm going to say almost easy, for us to go through the trials of this summer, which that was just a few um, but God is so faithful, and in the summer we would say, this feels so good to just be resting in the Lord.
0: So I want to tell you a story, and we're going to try to keep it brief. Um, the year 2003, we had started farming in the fall of 2008, and we were going to be a strawberry farm. Even though we knew nothing about growing strawberries, we didn't know anything about farming, but we knew the Lord had called us to it. And we wanted to be faithful. We were totally committed. Lord, if if we know you've called us, we're good. And so anyway, and our apologies to those who may have heard this before, but this is, you know, you can't change your testimony. There's not, I mean, there's always new stuff. But this is really what, what uh, this is where we were, we went through the crucible.
1: This was our darkest moment.
0: Yeah. And so we had some really rough first years. But by 2003 or 2002, we felt like, okay, we're getting the hang of this. We know what how to grow strawberries. Well, we're still learning. But anyway, we thought now we just need to really go for it, really invest. And get this farm, turn it into a destination, and get the people out here. So anyway, we did something that looking back we think was was a mistake. But we took out a mortgage on our house. We had a, a beautiful log cabin by the creek. We mortgaged it for the farm. And we invested that money doing everything we could to make the farm a success. We bought equipment. We put a uh, bathroom in the barn for the customers. We put a big front porch on where they could rock. We bought hickory rocking chairs. We got picnic tables for the creek. We filled our greenhouse with with plants, hanging flower pots. I mean, it was incredible. And we planted 24,000 strawberry plants. Have you ever counted to 24,000? It's a big number. So we got 24,000 tips that we had to propagate in trays. 24,000 tips in these trays. And then we put plastic on this acre and a half, or not plastic, landscape fabric, stapled it all down, and I burned Guess how many holes 24,000 holes in that plastic. And after we I burned those holes, we planted 24,000 plants by hand. That landscape fabric if you've ever used it, you know, when you burn it, it melts on the edges and it becomes very hard. And I'll tell you our hands were bleeding. We're using band aids, trying to keep the blood from well, keep from losing too much blood. <laughs>
1: just to, just to give you some perspective, our children were seven, nine, and eleven, and I was pregnant.
0: So anyway, twenty four thousand is a big number, but I'll tell you, we did everything we knew to do. To take care of those plants. And come the next spring. I still to this day. Don't think we've ever had a better strawberry crop.
2: My my
0: father-in-law was visiting. He said John. I want you to come out to the field. He said look at all these berries.
1: My father had been with us through thick. At that point. He had been there in the springs. He had been there in the falls. He had been through thick and thin. So he was so excited for us. At this amazing crop that God had given us. And he was just.
0: John, what are you going to do with all these berries? Well, the Lord had already prepared the way, and we had a newspaper reporter from the Tennessean, which is, you know, Nashville's main newspaper, come out and did an article on our farm. And so the article came out. On a Wednesday, I guess. And I mean, our phone was ringing off the hook. People wanting to come out. Thursday morning was our opening day. And we had said we opened at 9. There were people on the front porch at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I mean, it was non-stop all day long. It was unbelievable. At the end of the day, we were totally exhausted we brought in thousands of dollars. We had pickers also, you know, there was you pick, they were doing you pick, but we had pickers bringing in 70 flats of strawberries. Finally, we stopped them. We said, you know, I don't I don't think we can move all these. So we had only picked about a third of the fields in that day. It's like, wow, how are we going to do this? Sunday, dawned bright and beautiful, and I mean, it was traffic jam on Dry Prong Road. People coming to the farm. My father was directing traffic. There were lines at the cash register. Pam, we had had Caleb at that point. He was one month old. Pam's running the cash register. And we're not sure whether we're excited or or what. Yeah. Kirsten,
1: Over. Kirsten was 11. She was running the greenhouse. I mean, she was tiny, so people... Would hardly believe she was eleven, but the boys were taking people to the field, and I mean, and honestly, often they were they were the local tour guides to the creek or to the. The, the reality is, we didn't really feel very good about life at the end of that day. We were just we like, were just oh.
0: exhausted, but and we made I a lot know. of money. <laughs> I don't know that we're ready for this. Anyway, that night we had some of the worst storms we've ever had, and the rain didn't stop. It rained Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday. Our picking days were Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. And the berries are starting... You know, we didn't get them all picked on Thursday. And so now... It's a week. They're being inundated with rain. And they were starting to rot in the fields. And it rained so much that the two main ways into our farm, the two ways that the newspaper told people to come, one was flooded underwater, The, the Duck River was over the road. The other way, a culvert had washed out and the road was closed. So even if people had wanted to come to our farm, they couldn't have gotten there.
1: And, and you have to realize, it's so hard to remember how life was back then, especially for you younger people. No internet, not really, no cell phones, no Instagram, no Facebook, no way, even when the, the weather was good and we had picked berries, there was no way to get the word out, we have strawberries, come and get them. It, we were just almost like landlocked there. With no way to get the word out. And we were struggling. We and, were...
0: And the berries tasted horrible. They were you, terrible. Anyone who grows strawberries knows if they get waterlogged, I mean, you. I didn't want to sell them. Yeah. They weren't sale quality. And
1: once they get water, once they've sat in water for a long time, the smell is just terrible. The
0: bottom of the field was... The, the whole Submerge. bottom of the field
1: was in, in water. So we just started cutting it off. Well, we won't even try about that
0: third. So you can imagine what's going on in Pam's and my heart. And we we still can't think about it without getting choked up. Because our dreams were rotting in the field. You know, we, we now, we're not only just trying to to provide money to make it through to the next year. But we now had this huge debt hanging over us.
1: And it it wasn't just the strawberries. It was all the bedding plants we had. All the hanging baskets we had. We had a little store where we had lots of things for sale. And, you know, I'm going to just say, we're grappling and yet we're trying, by God's grace, to speak faith and trust to our children who were old enough to recognize this is not going well.
0: Anyway, we could tell you a lot more, but I can just say that was a deep valley. And it was in that valley where we were hanging on just by thread saying, Lord, please. We don't know where we missed the memo, but we know You called us to this. So, please, give us faith to hang on. And, you know, I'll just say this. It was really, after the crop was finished, and I mean, it was a disaster. It was a true disaster. Because disease came in, and you know we made next to nothing we we had enough money to buy a used van because we now had four children and we couldn't fit in our little five seater had enough to buy a new van and pay off a little bit of a side debt and that was it so i went to the lord Went to the woods. And men, or everyone, I encourage you, but men especially, when you're at the end of your rope, go to the woods with your Bible, with the journal, and say, Lord, I need help. I need direction. What am I supposed to do? What's the next step? And the Lord brought us out of it. He gave me Ideas. That was actually the beginning of our, our CSA. You know, he said, you can start a, a winter CSA. There's still time to plant for a winter CSA. And that's when we begin to diversify. So looking back, we can say, Lord, thank you for that trial. But in the moment, it was so, so difficult. It was so painful, so hard to trust. But that's the kind of trust God needs you to learn. Because that's the only kind of trust that's going to take you through.
1: And God was so faithful to us that summer. You know, we had that terribly difficult spring. But in the summer, God actually made a way that we had a family vacation to Oregon with our children. And we...
0: Which seems totally absurd. We don't
1: have time to tell you how that happened, but... It was amazing, and God, it, God is always faithful to his faithful, and he's not a hard taskmaster. We wouldn't change one part of our testimony. You know, John and I just talking about this morning, we wouldn't change any of the hard things we've been through. Sometimes we're so resistant, we don't, we don't want to put our family in a hard place, and I'm going to just say, we would not have this testimony today if it were not for my husband, and his willingness even to let his family suffer. You know, he could have said, oh, no wait, Lord, we're not going there. And I'm not going to let my family. But we had the attitude together. We're in this. And the Lord has lessons he's trying to teach us. And we want to be faithful to learn them. So, you know, i I just... I praise the Lord for my husband's faithfulness, and it wouldn't have been if he hadn't taken much time alone with the Lord in prayer.
0: Well, and we certainly Oops. couldn't have done it without my wife's um, patience.
1: I wasn't always patient, but,
0: <laughs> but she I wanted to... was always by my side.
1: But the Lord, the Lord um, impressed me one time when I went. Th- we were in a tough spot. We were in many, many tough spots over the years. Um, but one prayer meeting i was by myself at kneeling in the church the lord impressed me with the thought no trial no testimony you just think about that we've heard a lot of testimonies this week they're all birthed out of trial i mean i just you can just chew on that but not that God wants to give us trials, but it's just that it's in that valley.
0: He loves us enough to give us trials.
1: Yes, that He really carries us. So, the, the
0: fifth... So, learning to trust in trial is is critical. I mean, you can't go without it.
1: And we've been through many trying years, and, but Bountiful Blessings Farm has gone from that teeny little thing to well can you move that to this is our farm today and God has blessed it and that's an old picture we have a new house a new a new hoop house and you know God has blessed us abundantly and beyond what we ever could have dreamed we ever could have imagined and if if it was just the farm that was the blessing Trust me, it would not be enough. But it's that, that, that personal closeness that we feel with the Lord that has carried us, that carried us through those 10 difficult years and that carried us through this summer with trial after trial after trial. And one of our interns had the insight to say to me, Aunt Pam, I wonder if you're ha- we're having all these trials this year because the Lord knows that we're going to go from here to a lot of our own trials. And we're learning from you. And I just said, well, if that, if, I wouldn't put it past the Lord, but, you know, we're just here to serve for Him. However He sees best.
0: So our last T, our fifth T is testify.
1: So, and I will, I will say, it's not enough to have a testimony. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? It's not enough to have a testimony. But we have to testify. And I think about the demoniacs that Jesus healed. Remember that? I went back and looked at that recently. And look at this. In Luke 8... Whoops. It, it went okay. too... Okay. In, in Luke eight thirty nine, Jesus is speaking and he tells the demoniacs, Return to your own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And then in Mark 5, it says, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. So it's not enough to have a testimony. We have to you know, didn't you have show, show and tell
0: show and in tell. school?
1: Show and tell. We have to show and we have to tell what God has done for us.
0: So, just in review, what are the five T's? Toil, taste. Oh, I'm forgetting it now. We got it. <laughs> We
1: have something for you so you won't forget.
0: Yes. What's the third one? Total commitment. Yes.
1: That's the really important one. Yeah.
0: In fact, yes. We got to emphasize that. Fifth one, trusting in trial. I mean, the fourth Fourth one. one. And then the fifth one is testify. And the, the neat thing is, as we testify, somebody else then tastes from our testimony. You get it? And it just repeats the cycle and it spreads. It's amazing. This is... uh, let's, Let's just share this and then we'll close because I know we're out of time. Go ahead. Read that.
1: Our confession of His faithfulness is Heaven's chosen agency for revealing Christ to the world.
0: Amen. So, in closing... You know, there's no question in my mind that the heart, the key point of Christ's parable, the hidden treasure, and then of course next comes the pearl of great price, it's clear to me that the main point is selling all. Sell all that you have for the treasure. And so as we close here, I feel like the Lord has been bringing up this theme through a lot of the testimonies, even, uh, well, Barry's offering appeal, Mm -hmm. you know, giving all for the gospel, for that personal relationship with the Lord. And I know that the Lord has been convicting some of you, and I don't know exactly what those convictions are, but we're going to have a call now. And I'm just asking, it's a very specific call, but it's very specific to you personally. And this is the call. If you have come under conviction this week, on it could be anything, you know, it could be Quitting your job, it could be moving, it could be...
1: Having a garden.
0: Having a garden, it could be... um, You know what the Lord has put on your heart. If you have come under conviction, I want you to act on that conviction. And it's between you and the Lord, because it's only you and the Lord that know what that conviction is. But if you have been convicted... And you want to be in the path of totality. You want to be a hundred percent sold out for the Lord. I'd like you to come to the front. That's
1: not to say anyone who's sitting isn't totally sold out for the Lord. Yeah, they may have
0: made that commitment already. That's
1: saying that I'm under conviction. The Lord has brought me a conviction this week. That I
0: need to act So don't on. look around you. This is between you and the Lord. You can spread out here. But if you are under conviction. And you want to publicly say. Lord I am all in for you. I'd love you to come forward. And we want to pray together. Praise God. May God give you strength. Because the trials are going to come. Let's pray together. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank You and praise You for being faithful. We thank You and praise You for Your working at this conference. We thank You for the work You are doing on individual hearts. Lord, You see each person who's come to the front. You know the convictions that You've put on their hearts. Lord, give them the strength. Give them the courage. Give them Your Spirit to follow through on those convictions. Lord, You know all the other hearts. There may be many who have already given that 100% total commitment. There may be others that aren't ready yet. Lord, may our testimony... The testimony of those who are at the front here, the testimony of those who've shared this week, be an encouragement that the path of totality is the path of joy and Mm. peace. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. Bless us now as we go through the remainder of the Sabbath. In Jesus' name.